Hello, everyone. Welcome to the CXO Spice Talk. Today's topic is the future of cybersecurity. I have the pleasure of speaking with Teresa Lenowitz. She's the director of cybersecurity evangelism at AT&T Business. Teresa hosted me at AT&T Cybersecurity Biz Talk back in June. I'm thrilled about having her as my guest today. Welcome, Teresa. Let's have you introduce yourself to our audience and share how you got into the field of cybersecurity. Well, hi, Helen. Thanks for having me on Spice Talk. It's a great pleasure to speak with you as well. And so also to our listening audience, thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening to the conversation that Helen and I are about to have. So just a little bit of background on myself. I'm currently the head of cybersecurity evangelism with AT&T Business. And prior to joining AT&T Cybersecurity two years ago, so September of 2019, I was working as an industry analyst. I worked for Gartner for quite some time as well as with boutique analyst firm. So what I covered in terms of an analyst was this whole idea of the software life cycle. So what happens when the line of business says, we need an application to do something, or we want to innovate somewhere, or we need to automate somewhere. How do we actually go and execute it? So I looked at things such as requirements, software development, real special emphasis in the area of software quality, and also an emphasis in the area of cybersecurity. And those were the two sort of non-functional requirements, if you will, from the application development side that really led me to get really, really interested in cybersecurity. I also did quite a bit of work in uh, service virtualization, the idea that you can have access as a developer and or a tester to services, architectures, databases, and so on that are incomplete or unavailable for the purpose of figuring out what you're going to do. And that would be a staple environment. I also worked for a variety of Silicon Valley companies. I worked for Sun Microsystems. And at Sun Microsystems, I worked on this really, really awesome project. It was called Genie. And it was a Skunk Works project led by, micro, by Sun Microsystems co-founder, Bill Joy. And this was back in 1998, 1999. So we had this vision that you could, with some device, walk into a room and discover other people with similar interests, or that your house could be quote unquote smart and you could automatically have recipes downloaded to your oven or to your mixer based upon the contents of your refrigerator. Uh, so this, of course, eventually morphed into what we now know as Internet of Things, but this is something that I've been working on for quite some time. I also uh, launched a few iconic software products. Uh, so hello, everyone. Welcome to the ninth episode of CSO Spice Talk. Today's topic is the future for, of um, cybersecurity. I have the pleasure of speaking with Teresa Lanawas here. She's the head of evangelism, AT&T cybersecurity. So welcome, Teresa. Uh, last time we interacted was at AT&T Biz Talk. You actually hosted that one. So I'm so pleased to have you back as my guest here today. Wow. Before we jump into our discussion today, let's have you give the audience something another time and share how you got into the field of cybersecurity. I'm so glad to have you here. You know, today the cybersecurity plays a very leading role, right, in how the future plays out. So I read an article recently in Pew Research Center entitled, 
worries about life in 2025, right? Authors talked about, you know, many warned that house monitoring or work civilians or security solutions that may be applied will expand, right? Mass overnight and threaten human rights or lead more regions of the world to become more authoritarian. What is your view on that? And how do you expect the cyber threat landscape, landscape to evolve? For example, you talk about a shift in IoT priorities to the security of things and identity of things right over the next few years. Yeah, so the cyber threat landscape, as you mentioned, I mean, it is constantly changing, constantly evolving. And the moment compute power became democratized, as soon as computing came out of the four walls of that data center and we moved to personal computers or PCs in departments and we started to connect them with local area networks, this concept of a cyber threat was born. Back in the old days in the data center, the biggest threat you had to worry about was somebody coming in and spilling coffee on the keyboard or accidentally kicking a plug out of the wall. But now as we move and the compute became more democratized, we moved to the PC and in the PC world, the adversary or the threat actors, they were largely hobbyists wanting to go in and sort of leave their digital signature just to say, aha, I was able to break into your system. But we then evolved and we then had um, you know, more client server computing. We have web applications, we have mobile applications, we have applications living in the cloud. And so those adversaries have become more sophisticated, more well-coordinated. We have hacktivists who are out for financial gain we have, or who want to make some sort of statement, as you mentioned, we have these hackers who are out there for some sort of financial gain, wanting to be able to maybe perpetrate ransomware and get an organization to pay it. And then we have these well-coordinated nation states. So it, it has become far more sophisticated and it is a business just like any other. And one of the things we see now is ransomware as a service. These cyber criminals can go to the dark web and buy ransomware as a service. So it's it's easy to it's easy to execute an attack. And what we have to do is we have to really be prepared for that. And one of the things we know from some of the research that we've done here at AT&T Cybersecurity is uh, we asked uh, in our most recent AT&T Cybersecurity Insights report, we asked people who took the survey about what they thought about new threats emerging as a result of maybe a 5G architecture. And that 5G network, as we know, is more secure than any previous generation of network. But what about everything you're connecting? What about your applications, your data, those IoT devices, which are going to increase the, 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 uh, the attack surface? And so what we found out was that 76% of people said, we believe that we're going to have wholly new threats emerge as a result of bringing on these new types of architectures. And the other 24% said, you know, maybe not new threats, but we're going to see this volumetric increase. So as we continue to democratize compute, mm -hmm. we know that the threats are going to continue. We know that that attack surface is expanding. And one of the things we also learned from our AT&T Cybersecurity Insights report is that organizations, as they are researching IoT, for example, they start to understand how important security becomes, how important those security controls become. So in the research phase, they kind of look at it and they say, maybe we're not going to be worried about that now. And then as they start to implement it, they realize what that can actually mean to an adversary. And they realize that they need to be able to protect what that IoT device is going to be connected to and so on. 
Yeah, you're, you're right on. Last year, I was working with an enterprise customer just to really come up with a security, cybersecurity assessment for them, right? Guess what? I, I, you know, we asked them how many endpoints that you have. They told us 300 after weeks, right, investigation. And then turns out to be they had 3,000 endpoints, <laughs> right? So it's very interesting. Sometimes companies just forget about these subcontractors, the third-party suppliers, millions of contacts. They just forget about, you know, they are also need to be counted, right, toward the protection yeah. point. So it's it's a uh, you know creating that awareness to begin with is so critical, right? And then I also see the cybersecurity role crossing present-day boundaries and leadership circles, right? It will be part steward of an organization and part protector. So it will be everywhere and impact everyone. So how can emerging cognitive technologies such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, or automated networks or cloud help companies navigate this increasingly, you know, really treacherous landscape? Yeah, I find it interesting that a company say, would say they only have 300 endpoints. I mean, you can probably walk around your house and find more than three endpoints, right? <laughs> Everywhere you look, there's an endpoint. Um, so you you ask about sort of new and emerging technologies really aiding in cybersecurity to help us be better prepared to uh, make sure that that adversary is not absconding with our intellectual property, our customer data, all those digital assets that we desperately need to safeguard. So if you take a look at what has happened in the past 18 months or so, the COVID pandemic is really sort of that catalyst for 2020 and beyond. So mm -hmm. the pandemic really drove a business transformation unlike any we have seen in the past. Mm -hmm. It caused organizations to send anybody who could work from home to work from home. Mm -hmm. And if we remember back in the early days of the pandemic, we saw news images of people taking their desktops out of their offices and loading them up in the trunks of their car. And now all of a sudden, your corporate data is sitting on somebody's dining room table. How are you going to secure that? So what that really spurred, and I think the, the, the uh, security organizations and the IT organizations in every type of enterprise, large and small, they did a tremendous job at figuring out what they needed to do tactically to triage the situation that they were, it was just something that just happened overnight. And when we say overnight, it is really not an exaggeration of overnight. So they did a tremendous job at figuring out what they needed to do tactically to secure their organization, to secure their network. And then what we saw over the unfold over the past 18 months is really this idea that 2020 was the catalyst. It was the year that cybersecurity moved from being a technical problem to being a business enabler. And we see so many enterprises now of all sizes and in all markets really are, are seriously undergoing digital transformation. And the interesting thing to me, having spent a number of years as an analyst, the interesting thing to me about digital transformation is that cybersecurity is now front and center in that digital transformation. Mm -hmm notion. Anytime somebody's talking about digital transformation, cybersecurity is the number one thing that they're talking about. And what we also found out with our AT&T Cybersecurity Insights report is that 93% of the survey participants said they are, they are on a journey to 5G. They are either researching, implementing, or are in the process of, of completing that implementation on their way to 5G. But the interesting thing that we found is that the 5G adoption 
is being driven by the line of business. And this is something that we have not seen in the past. Typically, technologies are really brought on by the IT organization, by the operations team, by the networking team, by those people who are taking care of the technical side of the business. But what we're seeing with 5G is that the line of business is pushing that for that adoption. And 56% of the survey participants say that the reason they're pushing for it is because they wanna remain competitive. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is they are working hand in hand with that cybersecurity professional to bring on this new network architecture. So the cybersecurity professional is now working with the line of business professional. And this is really great because what we're seeing now is that, as I said, you know, 2020 was the year that cybersecurity moved from being a technical issue to being a business issue. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing now is that that CISO inside of the organization or the person in charge of security, if you're not a very large organization, that person now has far more vis- visibility than ever before. That person is now a C-suite equal working with the CEO, the CTO, the CIO, the CFO, acting as a trusted advisor to the board. But that CISO, that security professional, is also working cross-functionally with other people in the organization to say, hey, you know what? You know, human resources may say, we're going to bring on some contractors to help us. And they're turning to the security organization to help. And the security organization is saying, okay, let's make sure we're taking a zero trust approach to this, for example. But, and they're also saying from a security perspective, let's look at these new technologies like machine learning and so on. And we're seeing machine learning being used quite a bit as well in terms of things such as threat hunting. You know, getting at our own AT&T Alien Lab, our team uh, works with OTX, the Open Threat Exchange. We have 185,000 professionals worldwide submitting uh, threats. And our team, our Alien Labs team uses machine learning to enrich that data they're getting and be able to do pattern recognition and so on. So we're seeing those new technologies really, really help. And the great thing is, is that technology just evolves. It's a constant evolution. Um, and so we're seeing, we're, we're able to do things better. We're able to do things much uh, more intelligently, I think, than we were in the past. Well, kudos to AT&T and leaders like yourself, right? And I, I certainly believe cybersecurity leaders will have a tremendous amount of impact on, on the culture of an organization because as the old sayings goes, we are only as strong as the weakest link, right? Everyone within the organization contributes to cybersecurity. So that perhaps is the biggest change between the present landscape and how cybersecurity landscape would, will evolve by 2025 and beyond. So everybody understands the importance, but then how can organization to make that element of corporate level business strategy, you mentioned earlier, is no longer tactical, technical, it becomes a part of business strategy. What advice would you give to organization who wanted to make that part of the corporate level strategy? Yeah, and if you think about it, Every business, every business, regardless of what their business is, whether they are building airplanes, creating financial services, or selling flowers on Main Street, every business wants to be able to innovate for their customers. And so we're in this period now, and especially the pandemic pushed us to say, we want to see more innovation. And so we're seeing a lot of digital transformation as a result of that. But every business wants to be able to innovate for their customers. 
But ultimately what they want to do is they want to be able to safeguard those digital assets, whether it is intellectual property, customer data, uh, plans for medication, plans for a new plant and so on. They want to be able to safeguard those digital uh, assets. What they also want to be able to do is in the event that some type of cyber incident does occur, they want to be able to act with confidence to immediately remediate that cyber that that cyber incident. And what they also want to do is, I hear this so many times, people say, well, I don't have a very big budget for cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. One of the key things you want to be able to do is to take that budget that you do have and drive operational efficiency into your cybersecurity practices. And so what we found out is that so many people are saying, you know, we want to innovate for our customers. We want to build a better experience. There's all this complexity going on in the world now. We have um, we have digital transformation underway. We have very determined adversaries. We have a cyber skills shortage. We have um, all of these things that are happening and it's, it's making it more and more complex to do our job. So complexity is really the enemy that's out there. Yeah. And so what they're saying is they want to work with a trusted advisor. Our AT&T Cybersecurity Insights Report, we found that 94.5% of the survey participants said that they are not going to undertake their cybersecurity practices on their own. They're going to work with a trusted advisor, whether that be a managed security services vendor, such as AT&T, or whether that is um, working with uh, uh, someone else in terms of professional services and so on. So this idea of working with a trusted advisor on that journey to cybersecurity resiliency really, really plays very well for everybody right now, given the complexity that's going on. You know, you think of complexity and that complexity just continues to increase. We have global supply chains that now have to be secured. We have, um, as I said, you know, more and more compute becoming democratized. So this complexity is something that we really have to focus on, on working with and taming. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Teresa. You know, the average cost of an incident is $3.8 million, right? If the leaders understand that, you know, how can you not have budget for something that could cause you, that does not even really in, include the you know, other intangible damage to your reputation or brand, right? So I think that you gotta make budget that should be part of your planning and budgeting, no matter what you do, regardless of the size of the business, right? But that's, I, I want to talk a little more about the gap in cybersecurity skills, right? For most businesses, it continues, right, to persist. I actually read an article or about, I think I, there's a report, right, from the, the annual, the fifth annual industry report from the Information System Security Association and analysts uh, like, enterprise strategy group, right? They talk about, they show that the cybersecurity skills shortage has not improved. Not only has not improved, right? The top ramifications of the skills shortage, including increasing workload for cybersecurity team and then unfilled open job requisitions and high burnout among the existing staff. Right? Further, 95% of respondents state that cybersecurity skills shortage uh, and its associated impact have not improved uh, over in the past few years and even gotten worse, right? What's your view and you know, what measures can companies can take, take to close the skill set gap and what are the things that they can do to better prepare for the future cyber threats? 
Yeah, really interesting point. And that study that you referenced by ISC2 is that's an annual study that they put out. So I'm familiar with that. And if you think about what we've been talking about, that democratization of computing, anytime that we're seeing that democratization of computing where computing goes from the mainframe to local area network PCs to cloud to web to mobile to to the edge and now everything is democratized so we're using software we're living in a software defined world we're using software to do pretty much everything and once we have software involved we have those potential vulnerabilities that may get out there we have network involved we have potential security vulnerabilities as well so we have to protect those applications we have to protect that network Part of this, and you talk about the cybersecurity skills gap, which is very, very real. And part of this is leading with that security first mindset inside of your own organization. So regardless of what your organization is, make sure that from the top down, you lead with that security first mindset. And you say, you know what, we're going to tie business outcomes and business objectives to security. We're going to make sure that everybody has proper cybersecurity hygiene. And once you start to let people know in your organization that they too, it's not just the, the CISO team, it's not just the security team that is responsible for security, everybody is responsible for security. The CISO team may be the one at the end of the day that has the accountability, but everybody's responsible. So understanding what types of links to, to click on, what types of downloads to take. And the interesting thing, as we've seen this whole cybersecurity uh, adversary business emerge, what we've seen is that the, the adversary has gone down market as well. So I think it used to be organizations would say, well, you know, the only, the only people, the, the only companies that are going to be hit by a cyber adversary are the very large companies. We know that's not true. And it has gone all the way down to the individual in terms of uh, where the adversary is attacking. Some adversaries will work on, we want to get one big opportunity and go with uh, low volume and a high reward. Or some of them may say, we're going to go with high volume and little bits of rewards along the way, but that all adds up. So everybody needs to uh, be aware of their cyber hygiene. And once you're aware of your cyber hygiene in your professional environment, you then take that cyber hygiene home with you and you practice good cyber hygiene at home. You talk to your family about it. You talk to your friends about it. We're starting to see now more and more cybersecurity education in elementary and middle school. So students at a very, very young age are being taught about the risks of what can happen with malicious software, what can happen with an adversary. So it's, it's one of those, um, it's one of those things that collectively we have to work together to really to really focus on this. And then in terms of organizations really finding uh, professionals with cybersecurity skills, in many cases, think a little bit unconventionally. Mm -hmm. Look around your organization. What are you trying to do? You may already have people in your organization with skills. They may not be labeled, labeled as such as cyber skills. So for example, I have a, a uh, application development background and the traditional quality assurance engineer is very well suited for cybersecurity types of uh, analyst work because mm -hmm. they have that detail. They have that view of here's how the whole world should work. Here's how the whole system should work. And here's what's wrong with this piece. So 
larger enterprises can take a look inside their own quality assurance organization and see if there are people in that in that area who may be interested in moving to cyber. I, in fact, have have a friend who who just moved from she had a long career in quality assurance and she just moved over to her company's info security team, which was just really amazing to see. I love those uh, recommendations, Teresa, right? You talk about hygiene, like, you know, we learned to brush our teeth and take, you know, take a shower on a regular basis and same washing our hands, right? And through this COVID um, trying time, but, you know, those are really great practical experience or practical advice that people should really take it seriously. But the cybersecurity leaders list of priorities continue to adapt, right, to new cyber threats and viruses or issues and, and may get to be unimaginable, right? And, but however, those who are open to learning and sharing knowledge or integrating cybersecurity into their business strategy and culture will win. Mm-hmm. The last question I have here is how can companies reduce the human errors that so often lead to the data breaches, right? It's all about, you talk about the day-to-day, the what are specific things they can do to improve, to reduce the human errors. Yeah, you bring up such a good point. You talked about really making security part of your overall culture. And that's really important because for so long in the security area, we have been operating in this idea of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's this shadowy figure off in the darkness wanting to come and attack you. We have to understand that this is a reality of compute power being democratized. So for the benefit, all the benefits that we get, whether it is a smart grid on a home, a smart parking meter, um, some type of wearable that we have, uh, the ease of doing uh, online shopping and so on, that is, that's all of a, a benefit to us, but we have to also understand that there are risks to that. It's just like anything you do. It's a really great benefit, but there are risks to what any, anything you're doing. You have to calculate those risks and figure out what those risks are. So I think that for organizationally, to, to, to not treat cybersecurity as something that is scary, uh, not um, instill in people fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and not instill in the leaders fear, uncertainty, and doubt, but talk very openly and very broadly about the fact that here are the benefits that you're getting. Let's figure out how to really take a look at the risks that are out there. And right now, in 2021, we have seen a spate of ransomware. And it's interesting because I've been asking the question for about the past five years, what are you most concerned about? Are you more concerned about your credentials being stolen and used against you? Are you concerned about a DDoS attack? Are you concerned about ransomware or something else? Or are you so secure that nothing's going, you're, you're impenetrable? And for, for the past five years, people have been far more concerned about their credentials being stolen and sold on the dark web and so on. But since, since the uh, first quarter of 2021, people are far more concerned now about ransomware mm-hmm. and this idea of ransomware. And I, uh, in reality, if we think about it, people can be very proactive in making their, their site, their, their organization, unattractive to an adversary who wants to perpetrate a ransomware attack. Make sure that you're patching. I mean, that doesn't sound very exciting, but make sure that you're patching 
all of your systems, make sure you have the most recent software updates and so on. Train your people to not download documents, not download things from uh, suspicious emails. Mm -hmm. Train them to understand what a safe URL looks like to click on and what a dangerous URL looks like. Mm -hmm. uh, so just that basic hygiene, that basic training, make sure that you're doing things like using a secure web gateway, make sure that you are practicing the three, two, one of backups, three copies of your backup, two different types of media and one off site. So making sure that you're doing all of those basic things. So, um, it, it, and that will help to make you far less attractive mm -hmm. because if you think that what an adversary does to execute a ransomware attack. I mean, they get into your system. So they find some vulnerability, some way to get into your system. Then they'll sit in there and they'll, they'll take their time and they'll look around and they'll see what you have. Oh, you have some pretty interesting intellectual property over here. Oh, there's some important customer data over here. We're gonna take that. And they, they take a look around and they know when you're operational. So what we also know is that a lot of organizations that uh, are attacked, they may not have a 24-7, 365 stock running. So the adversary knows that. The adversary knows when you're going home on Friday afternoon at five. The adversary knows when there's a long weekend in there. And that's when they'll exfiltrate your data. And what they're doing now is they're not only just putting the ransomware note out there and saying, pay us X number of crypto coins. They're also saying, you know what, if you don't come to the negotiating table, we're going to launch a DDoS attack against you. Mm -hmm. So there's that, that, um, that again, you know, very good business model, very, uh, very, very well thought out business model, very well thought out campaigns. So just in terms of, you know, proper cybersecurity hygiene, making sure mm -hmm. that you're doing the basics, making sure that you are doing everything you possibly can to make yourself not a very attractive target. Mm -hmm. That's a very important uh, topic or important advice too. I mean, a lot of these incidents are preventable, right? As you mm -hmm. say, you just go through the basic, you can prevent very large percentage, percentage of the, the attack, potential attacks. But you know, what I learned, I learned so much from you, Teresa. One big thing I learned from you is cybersecurity leaders no longer fit in the neat box labeled IT professionals, right? They are strategists fueling the future of an, of an organization's uh, success starting right now, right the moment. So thank you so much for joining us today. For those of you who want to hear or learn more from Teresa, follow the AT&T BizTalk on Twitter, and then we can have a lot more in-depth conversation around uh, the future of cybersecurity. And uh, stay hungry, stay fearless, and stay grateful. Thank you so much, Ella.